the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. I would just want to say that we're not here to judge anybody. We're not here to put anybody down or make anybody feel bad. We want you to do what's best for you. And obviously only you know what's best for you. So don't think that when we talk about these things that we're trying to put anybody down, we're just sort of saying what works for us and sort of where our minds are at. Oh, absolutely. And we talk about that in one of the other podcasts, just being being positive and any positive people, there's no way in hell we'd ever want to be negative about anybody. And that's not the idea. The idea is, I think, is we're trying to let people know things are tough sometimes and, and running a firm is difficult. And the idea of this podcast in general is to help people out and to get them out of those ruts. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. We are back on the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I am Tyson Mutrix. What is going on, Jim? Tyson, I have to say, I really enjoy recording these early in the morning as opposed to after my day is underway. Once I get sort of distracted, I think that last show was sort of all over the place because we did it sort of midday. And I just think we are much clearer and focused when we do it first thing. Absolutely. And I think that one was sort of an impromptu one as well. So that was, we were a little less organized, but I was also coming off of that sickness. So I was a little worn out, but I'm I'm really excited about today's podcast. It's going to be a really good one. Well, you came up with it, so I'm going to let you sort of take the lead on explaining the topic. Okay. The topic is the three signs you should close your firm and get a job. There are two types of listeners I think we have is people that currently have a firm and that they're kind of moving through things and trying to get better and trying to prove. There's also the people that are trying... They're, they're thinking about starting their own firm, start, maybe they work for another firm, or they're just at a law school. Those are kind of the two categories, I think. And I think this one is for the people that, you know what, maybe you've gone down that path, maybe you've tried it out, and maybe it's just not working for you. Now, I have to tell you, this topic just brings me great sadness even to hear you read that sentence of what the topic is. I mean, the idea of closing your firm and getting a job, that just to me... It's almost a Shakespearean tragedy. I know that this is probably not for everybody, and I know there's probably times where you have to make a good decision and do something like that. But, man, it sure bums me out to even think about what set of circumstances would have to occur and what life would look like if we were having to make that kind of a call. And I agree with you. It's extremely sad. But some people just, they're not made out to run a law firm, a solo practice, a big firm, whatever it is. Maybe they're just not made out to do it. And so... That's why we came up with this. I'm going to go ahead and introduce number one. And I think number one is, we've touched on it before in other podcasts, but I think it is 
by far the most important. And it's, you don't like hustling for clients and maybe you don't like hustling for clients anymore. And that may be okay. Maybe you're burned out. Maybe you've been hitting it every day. uh, I don't know, 15 hours a day for several years now, and maybe it's just not working out and maybe you're sick of doing that. And if, if you don't have the hustle anymore, you should probably hang it up. So, you know, I love the show Better Call Saul. I can't wait for season three. I'm not sure when it's coming out. But whenever I think about lawyers that don't necessarily want to hustle, I think about him standing over his phone and trying to and he's shooting magic with his fingers at the phone, trying to make it ring. And I just think of that as a metaphor for lawyers who struggle with bringing in business. I love that show so much. I, I, agree, I agree with you. With the uh, what do they call? It? What is the name they called him? Was it Slick Willie? No, it wasn't Slick Slick Willie. Was um, oh, they had a name for him. You know what I'm talking about? Where he would he would set up um, slip and fall cases and stuff like that. He would hire people to to run out in the intersection, and get hit by a car. That was when he was still Jimmy. So yes. I don't. I don't remember what the the slang was for that. Oh, uh, so I, I think it, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. He, but you know what? He he ended up turning out to be a hustler, though. But he, um, well, in season two, he was right. But yeah, but so you're right. It, it, you can't just look at a phone and snap your fingers and hope it's going to ring. It just doesn't work that way. I had lunch with our mutual friend Nadim, the Bosnian Dream, and we were talking over all things law practice management uh, yesterday, and he hustles. And Amani and I were talking about him last night. One of the reasons we love Nadim is he really hustles and he's smart. And, you know, he, he graduated a year ahead of you, I think. And he started his own firm pretty soon thereafter. And, and my man hustles. And I say often that you can't teach hustle. If I ever get the chance to ask a question for Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm going to ask him, do you think you can teach hustle? Because I don't think you can. I think you can develop skills that liken it to hustle. But I think hustle is something that's internal. And and we're saying hustle. We don't mean like scamming or, you know, taking advantage of people. We're talking about finding the people that need our services in a way that, you know, is energetic and purposeful and deliberate in a way that attracts people to you and makes them want to hire you. You know, I sort of disagree with you that you can't teach hustle. I think there's a certain element that you maybe you can't teach, and that's the energy part of it. Someone like Nadim, the Bosnian dream, I love it. I love that he calls himself the Bosnian dream. It's so great because even when you're talking to him, he calls himself the Bosnian dream. It's great. <laughs> and he's so, he's someone that's got the energy, right? That's the part you can't – I don't know what you can teach. But I think if you have those long-term vision, the long-term goals in, in place and your vision, I think that that will motivate you to hustle more. So I think you could teach it if you could uh, sit someone down and say uh, – emphasize to them the importance of – of setting your long-term vision, setting your long-term goals, setting your short-term goals, that will help motivate you and maybe allow you to hustle more. But I agree with you. There is that certain energy part of it that it is hard to just ingrain in someone. I don't know if you can teach it. And if you can get Gary Vaynerchuk on this uh, podcast, I will kiss you on the lips. Okay. So you go ahead and try and get that done. I have a plan to have him on my new podcast when I start my immigration podcast. That's BS, Jimmy. But he's an immigrant, so there's a there's an angle there. I don't mm. know if I have an angle for us, but I think when I talk about not being able to teach hustle, what I'm talking about is I think we've all met those attorneys and worked with attorneys who just don't care about winning, don't care about they just want to do a, you know their job. They just you know you give them an assignment and they just sort of do it half heartedly. Those are the people that I think that you can't quote unquote teach hustle to. I agree. I, I, I agree completely. Number two is something that's extremely important. Uh, one thing I don't think it's as important as hustling because hustling is 
you know, it's, it's getting the clients at the door and, and, and moving and shaking. But number two is you don't want to monitor your numbers, which we, we call KPIs, your key performance indicators. Do you want to go over your KPIs? You don't have to go over exactly what you do or maybe talk about what they are. Yeah. So for me, I mean, overall, I don't I don't know they have a specific list broken down. But for me, obviously, it's the number of potential clients we're meeting with each week, the number of new cases that we're opening each week, you know, cash in, cash out, shipping cases, getting cases out the door. You know, in a volume practice like ours, we always have about 200 open matters. So it's there's a lot to keep track of and, and definitely making sure that we track all those numbers gives me a good sense as to how the next month is going to be. If my intake numbers are low, that means my revenue is going to be low in the next month or two after that. So your overall caseload for me and for a personal injury firm is a KPI. And here's why. You want to compare your incoming, your your new intakes to your overall caseload. If you see a decrease in your incoming intakes, but for some reason you, you continue to see, for personal injury practice, I'm not necessarily talking about yours, for personal injury practice, if you start to see your overall caseload balloon getting larger, that means you're not moving your cases fast enough and that indicates an issue with your firm. So for me, one of mine is actually that overall caseload. I think most people think that, oh, you want to have a really big caseload because that means you're making more money. Not necessarily with personal injury practice because as it begins to balloon and as your intakes begin to decrease, that means you're making less money overall. And so you've got to fix, you you got to look into your firm and see where your systems are breaking down because you're not moving your cases fast enough. Wait till I show you guys at our next Infusionsoft meeting what Kelsey and I have built out on a way to monitor our new case statistics and monitor the cases themselves. We finally cracked the code of how to use opportunities to keep track of of the cases. And I'm really, really excited about it. And uh, we're going to implement it with the team next week. Very cool. Do you put a time limit on them or what are you doing? Well, no, it's more about being able to access all the information from the notes from a particular client's case and get and organize them, you know, with reports by attorney, by processing time, by case type. So we're really excited about it. Awesome. Well, I'm sure I'm going to steal quite a few ideas from you. Just to give everyone an idea, I have very similar ones to you, but mine are specifically, I have my the incoming leads, so phone calls that we get, and I, I break them down by practice area. I, don't, I also do some criminal as well. Vast majority of my cases are personal injury, but I also do a little bit of limited number of uh, criminal cases. So uh, incoming leads, and we, we divide that by practice area. And then also incoming or new intakes, new signups, which you can get a bunch of leads, but if you're not converting them and if you're not getting those actual uh, clients to sign up, then that's an, that's an issue. Another one is revenue for the month. And then I was tracking revenue for the week, which I think is just, it's too complicated and there's, I'm not sure there's a point for it, uh, but we do do revenue for the month. Now, it's difficult whenever you have criminal and personal injury. Um, there's the revenue for the month is more important really for criminal cases because it shows that you're moving them, but also it's very important for personal injury because it means you're you're moving those cases. So you, you have to look at the, the revenue from each one differently. So the more revenue from criminal cases, that means you're bringing in more more revenue for personal injury means that you're moving them faster. Yeah. And I remember when I worked as a paralegal law clerk type at 
Grain Ritter, and I was just surprised that attorneys were sophisticated enough to be able to sort of stack their trial dates so that they made sure that on a personal injury and products liability kind of a practice, MedMal, that they made sure to have things scheduled regularly for trial because that's when either mediations occurred or trials occurred and, and they knew that that's sort of the time frame for them getting paid. Yeah, and you told me about that before. I used to schedule one trial a month. Is that what it was? One trial a month so you could make sure you had that recurring revenue? Yeah, not me. They did that. They and did that. Some, and, and some of the other attorneys that I've followed over the years do that. And I think that's, you know, it's so sophisticated. And I remember the first time I heard even just lawyers talking about KPIs and about the idea that you could track a correlation between the number of people that come into your office and the amount of money you make three months out. I just thought that was sort of mind boggling. It's all about moving those cases. And they're a very well-respected firm. So they've been doing this for a while. And I think they've They've sort of cracked it as well, and they figured it out. Something, and I'm not sure if they do anything like this at Gray and Ritter, but something that we also do, and I, I think maybe you do this, and I'm not sure and many people would call it a KPI, but I, I consider it KPIs, is I break my cases down by phases. In mine, the personal injury, it's there's five pre-litigation phases that we have, and then the litigation phases are broken down into another 10 steps, but... I can look at my cases right now and see which cases are in which phase. So it allows me to show where the bottlenecks are. So that's that's another advantage to me where I can look and say, okay, we've got these cases all here stacked up, ready for demands. We need to get them moving. Or why do we have so many cases still pending medical records? We need to get those moving. If we've been requesting them, why haven't we received them yet? So there's there's all these that we can look at that allows us to see what's working and what's not working. Got it. Sounds like good stuff. If you're not breaking them down by that, I think maybe you are because you're using tags, right? And moving your cases from one stage to the next. Yep, we are. And I don't know that I have a a set analysis based on that because usually I get paid up front. So I don't have to track that for the purposes of knowing when my revenue is going to be coming in. That's a good point. And that's that's a different way of looking at it. There's different practice areas. Some people get paid up front. Some people get paid on the back end. And so, or some people are hourly and they get paid throughout. So really, there's different ways you, that you've got to look at it. If you are not someone that wants to track your numbers, you may not be made up for this because the, the numbers are, are crucial. You can get by on, on a day-to-day basis and yearly basis making just a, a regular paycheck if you don't care about tracking the numbers. But if you really want to grow and have a really good firm that's the importance of the KPIs, and that's what we're talking about. And if you're not wanting to track those, if you don't want to grow, that's fine as well, I guess. But if you really want to grow, you need to track the KPIs. And if you don't, you maybe should wrap things up. Yeah, I think we made that point. I think you're right about that. So number three is risk, that you'd rather be comfortable with a monthly paycheck as opposed to the risk and reward of running a firm. And I think that there's definitely some internal strength that you're going to need in order to be able to soldier through when things get tough and there are ups and downs to practice. You know, a lot of people sort of glorify going out on their own and thinking, well, I won't have a boss anymore and I'll be able to do what I want and I don't have to worry about all these things anymore. But there's just a different set of issues, a different set of challenges when you go out on your own. And so not everybody is necessarily cut out for this. I think that you have to be able to stomach those things. You also have to be able to think down the road and think ahead and sort of look at your practice from all angles and, you know, explore your weaknesses. And 
I think that some people just want to handle cases and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just not built that way. I don't think you are either. And I think that's sort of why we've been drawn to the kinds of practices that we have. You know, I was listening to, I think it was NPR the other day, and there was the founder of the Awesome Institute. And I, I don't remember her name off the top of my head. And she it was really interesting to hear her talk about risk. And whenever we made up this list of topics for today, we just, we did this before I listened to this podcast, but it doesn't change what it is. But she talks about how entrepreneurs, the ones that really want to go out there and uh, be entrepreneurs, like running a solo practice, they view risk differently. And this kind of goes back to what you were talking about before, where maybe you just can't teach hustle. And, and this could be, you may, may not be able to teach being an entrepreneur at this level because the entrepreneurs, the really the ones that want to be out there and, and, and be on their own and hustling and working, they view risk. It's not viewed as risk. It's viewed as opportunity. So we look at things differently. And the, the Awesome Institute is, is kind of what it sounds. Um, she tries to teach people to be awesome is kind of the way she puts it. I'm oversimplifying it. I think it's a coaching kind of company, but they're very successful. And, and listening to her speaks great because I think it's completely true. I mean, whenever I started my firm, I thought of the opportunity side of it and the risk side of it. I didn't really look at as much. I don't know about what it was like for you. You had a different path to be where you are now whenever you worked for a firm. Did you look at all the risk? I mean, you were you were married at the time, right? Yeah. So I had two or three kids at the time I went out on my own. I was lucky enough to have a wonderful wife who worked full time and we knew we had our health insurance through St. Louis University where she worked. So that was sort of my, you know, we knew that Imani could pay the mortgage and get our insurance based on her salary. And so then everything else was sort of on me. And I would say that she encouraged me to do much more analysis of the risks and she wanted, you know, a binder of why I was doing this and where the money was going to come from. And I was just sort of like, I was not as detail oriented then as I am now. And I, I certainly didn't break it out like I have lately. Right. And it's okay. Some people just don't want to take the risk and that's okay. You may view it as a risk as opposed to more of an opportunity and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So if you're running your firm, you're sitting there, you've got your your box of clients and you're thinking, you know what, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sick of trying to meet the monthly rent. I'm sick of trying to pay my employees. If you have employees, it's okay to hang it up. It is, it's not made out for everybody. And so you're, if you're feeling that risk, I think maybe it is best for you to, you, you hang it up and you join another firm. And I think if you do, if you're a, a person that has a box of clients, you, you could easily find a job with another firm because you're, you're very marketable. So I think if someone came to me and said, hey, I'm kind of sick of running the day-to-day -day stuff. I've got a box of clients. Can I just kind of plug into your firm? I I don't know about you, Jimmy, but I, I may be okay with that. So I think it's okay. If you if you don't like the risk, it's okay to kind of to go and join another firm. The only other thing I would say is that I think that sometimes you and I might come across as pretty strident, especially me in our views on things. And I, I would just want to say that we're not here to judge anybody. We're not here to put anybody down or make anybody feel bad. We want you to do what's best for you. And obviously only you know what's best for you. So don't think that when we talk about these things that we're trying to put anybody down, we're just sort of saying what works for us and sort of where our minds are at. Oh, absolutely. And we talked about that in one of the other podcasts, just being being positive and being positive people. There's no way in hell we'd ever want to be negative about anybody. And that's not the idea. The idea is, I think, is we're trying to let people know just to give them an idea. Like it's okay to wrap things up if you want to. It, things are tough sometimes, and and running a firm is difficult. 
And if if you're listening to this and you th- you look at these three things, you say maybe maybe they're right, or maybe maybe it allows them to identify things they should be doing to improve, so that they don't have to wrap up their shop, and they don't have to join another firm. That's that's the idea. That the idea of this podcast in general is to help people out and to get them out of those ruts. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. G- give me your hack of the week. My hack of the week is Sprout Social. Sprout Social is a social media aggregator where you can get on. It's sort of like Hootsuite, but I like it a little bit better, where you can get on and put your posts across many platforms. Google Plus still isn't doesn't allow. There's no uh, API for Google Plus, so you can't do it for that. But I don't think anybody's on Google Plus anyway. But Sprout Social lets you put your all your feeds in together. And then it also does a really nice job of tracking all of your engagements on social media. So I've, I really enjoyed it during this free period. I think I'm going to subscribe to it. Cool. Another one of those monthly subscriptions you're paying for Jimmy. Yeah. Money would kill me. I think it's it's only 20 bucks a month, but I think I'm going to go ahead with it. You know, I think that $20 a month is like the key number because I don't know how many times I've heard you say it's only 20 bucks a month. It's only 20 bucks a month. So (laughs) maybe that's the number. But I guess the key number is how many times do you actually keep those services? So that's really the key number. But yeah, my tip of the week is such a simple one. It's the Inc. Magazine app. And the reason why I like it, even if you don't subscribe to Inc. like I do, there's a today's must read section from the website. And you're just, it's such a great, easy app to use. You just click on it and it gives you... All the up-to-date marketing trends, everything else, just an aggregator of articles is what it is, but it's really cool. So if you if you don't have the Inc. Magazine app, I think it's really great. It's such a simple thing. It's an easy way of getting free, uh, free marketing advice and free business management advice just right at your fingertips. Cool. I just downloaded it. It's really cool. So, all right, guys. So I have nothing else. Jimmy, you? No, that's it. We'll talk to you next week. All right, man. See ya. See you, man. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.